Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. You know, we've been studying the book of Acts, and we've been talking about the things that that moved a church into action, the things that changed um, the face of the earth as we know it, the things that, that moved from, from entire... Um, People groups shifting from one way of thinking to a revelation of who Jesus Christ is happened because the book of Acts and the early church actually engaged. They actually cared about the things that were on God's heart. And um, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis. He's uh, wrote in Mere Christianity quite some time ago. He says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. And then he goes on and he says, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Yeah, you might want to write that down. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. And this is not a bash the church thing. This is a, you know, the reality of life is that we are drawn towards dealing with the here and now. But the here and now can really only be dealt with properly when we look at what happens on the other side. When we look at the reality that we are eternal beings, that we actually have something that happens to us when we die, that we are partnered with something, that we come into agreement with with a, a God who has given us, like we sang this morning, the very breath in our lungs. And we have moved to a place in society um, that is so twisted up. I actually watched a video the other day and uh, I, was, I think I was explaining it to Pastor George, but I'm like, I don't even know what I just saw. But anyway, because um, I, I got tree issues in my yard, um, some that sprout from weird places, like not where they're supposed to, but sh- shots come off the, the stalk and whatever. And we got, you know, an apple tree that just drops stuff and our dog eats them and then ejects them. And so that needs to stop. And, um, you know, just so I'm, I want to know about pruning and tree care and all of this stuff. Well, up comes this video about, you know, because trees are living things, you want to maintain the life in the tree and whatever. Great. Um, And then she proceeds to say, because there's a life force in the tree, you want to respect the life force and you need to understand that the tree is at peace within itself. And so you need to put your hand on the tree and you need to explain to it why you are pruning it whether it's for aesthetic purposes or whether it's for its own health or so that it can be more fruitful, you explain to the tree why you are going to prune it and then it will pull its life back from those places. And so you can, you can tell the tree, I'm going to be pruning this branch off and this branch off and it can pull its life source in from those spots and so you won't hurt it so badly. And I'm like, what? I mean, that we have come to a place where we just think that everything is important, but the important things aren't important at all. Where we have opinions about stuff that doesn't matter, and we don't have opinions about the stuff that does matter. And so when we look at the the, the lens of eternity, I can tell you right now, if anybody believes that, I don't mean to offend you, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but I am very sure that tree is not dying and going to heaven or hell. It just ends here. It just, the things stop here. But people do. 
People do the things that that matter are the things that happen to humanity. And there are forces at play that are seeking to bless, to give life and life abundantly, or to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is actual truth. And so when we look at this, when we lose sight of that, and we're more worried about, you know, these, these random possibilities that are out there, we miss the reality of what we're in. And so one of the things that I think is so um, wonderful when we celebrate, you know, people coming here from other countries, it's a reminder to those of us even that were born here to get in the game. Like when you ask people, why did you come here? Like, I believe absolutely God has brought people, but there's, there's usually also other reasons. There's, there's uh, political reasons, there's freedom issues, there's financial reasons, there's opportunity, there's different things that are here. But ultimately, God has put us in place for his purposes. And I believe I, this um, phrase I've been mulling over, um, I, I believe is part of when God brings people here from other places, that they've been sent here not just to build a life, but to build into life. Not just to build a life for themselves, but to build into life. Same reason any one of us is here. Not just to build a life, but to build into life. We're part of something that is bigger. And Proverbs 69 says, A man heart, man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And it's like that. We have things that we are aware of, things that we pursue, things that we know are important, and we plan things. But God directs the steps. God puts us in the right places at the right time for his reasons. There's an us part and there's a God part. And the course of our life actually has a God plan. There, there is not that God manipulates us. We're not puppets on a string. But there is a God plan in which we thrive. There's a God plan in which we are fruitful. God knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. That my soul knows very well. If I am personally knit together in my mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made by the God of the universe, wouldn't it make sense to ask why? Wouldn't it make sense to think that there's more to it than I just showed up here? Like purpose is built into how God has made us. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So I can plan all I want, but if I want it to be something that absolutely sticks, I ask the Lord, what's the plan? What do you have for me? What do you desire? What, what did you make me for? What did you put this in me for? What is the purpose of my life according to you? Psalms 33 Verse 11 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. His, the plans of his heart to all generations. Verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord for he is our help and our shield. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. His plan, the plans of his heart to all generations. So God has a plan he has something that he holds on to. I, 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 this this um, time that, that we're in as a nation, you know, it's, I used to get so excited. Every time it was Canada Day, I used to get so excited because I just love celebrating our country. I love celebrating the freedom and the blessing and the prosperity and, you know, the beautiful, beautiful land that we live in. Like, literally, it's a beautiful place. And, and lately, I just cry through it. 
and just go, dear God, what, like, what do we do? Just pack up and go, I mean, anybody seen House Hunter Island Hunters? You can buy islands. You can just go live there by yourself. It's, it's a possibility all over the world. It's very tempting until you realize that God has plans. And so when God speaks prophetic purpose, he speaks destiny, he speaks life, his plans stand. The things of his heart stand. So what God says about this place and this time, it stands even though it looks really bad right now. So our job is to get on board with what he says. And we have to say things like verse 19 there. He, um, Verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. God is, God's looking for the people that are like, even though it's really bad, our eyes are on you. We are trusting you. We're putting a draw on you. We believe that you are the one that is worthy of our hope. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. It's the thing where we have to pause and go, if I have given up on the promise, and I mean, today I'm talking about the national promise, but you may have a promise in your own life. When God says something, God is faithful to his word. So it's on us to say, no matter what I'm looking at right now, I am trusting in you. I am trusting in your mercy. When we look at this and we say, God is actually on the throne. God is able. God is, God is moving. I'm going to submit to his will. This is what we call a biblical worldview. And not that many people have it anymore. The idea that I see the world around me through the lens of the word of God. I believe that he is the one who created the earth. It is not an accident. That he creates mankind. It is not an accident. That we haven't morphed into this many species of all the things just over time, just because that's the natural flow of stuff. I have looked and watched in my backyard and the stuff that I fail to water and feed does not morph into something better. Does it? Does it magically work in your backyard? When I leave things to themselves, they tend towards death. That is literally the flow. Things tend towards life or they tend towards death. And so when I leave stuff to its own, it tends towards death. But when God's finger is on something, it tends towards life. He is the life giver. And so that biblical worldview is the idea that this is a temporary life, but I am not. This world is temporary, but I am not. This world is temporary, but you are not. The situations, the circumstances, the difficulties, the great things, the stuff that we walk through, it's temporary, but we are not. We do have a short time on this earth, but then time goes on. And so when we have that view, it changes how we see what is necessary in this lifetime. It is not about... I just have to be comfortable all the time. In fact, comfort in an ongoing state will actually cause your life to atrophy. And we just go into nothingness. The, the constant push, though, towards the purposes of God, not striving, but God, I want your best. Today is a new day. What do you have planned for it today? God, today's a new week. What do you have planned for me this week? Today's a new year. What do you have planned for me this year? That constant idea that God's on the throne and there's purpose in my life, it changes how I do everything. 
there's so much um, going on right now. There's this um, worldview that basically says everybody's truth is okay. Everybody's belief is okay. Do you know there's an actual name for it? It's called um, ideologue pluralism. I know. You learn so much here, don't you? So Dr. Grant Richardson is a pastor who talks about this, and he talks about, so the word ideologue means blindly partisan advocates or blindly partisan adherents. In other words, people who have decided I'm fully committed to this, I have no idea why. Like my niece came, again, don't mean to offend anybody, but it's a given around here at some point. My niece came um, to visit last spring and she was, she goes to uh, university or she did, she graduated this year, goes to university um, in London and she was saying, um, she brought her oat milk along with her to the house and I'm like, do you like that? She's like, well, yeah, this is what everybody uses. I'm like, what do you mean everybody uses it? She's like, I think you would be hard pressed to find like cow's milk at the coffee shops. Everybody uses oat milk. And I'm like, why? She's like, because of the cow gas, like it wrecks the environment. (laughs) Do you want to try some? No, I will have my cow's milk. Thank you very much. But explain that. It doesn't... It doesn't need to be explained. Everybody thinks this. Everybody believes this. And therefore, we make room for this. And so then the, um, the move on is the pluralism. It's the fact that everybody's thing, everybody's belief system is valid. Everybody's religion is valid. Everybody's God is valid. And so his comment on this, I think, is so important. He says, ideologue pluralism has captured center stage of our values in Canada. In other words, we pride ourselves on the fact that everybody is very passionately inviting of all the things. Yep, the Christian faith has become distinctly marginalized. Culture has swallowed our convictions. Loss of biblical truth leads to redirected conviction about eternal outcomes. In other words, the eternal views have been affected because we have bought into this idea that everybody is passionately inclusive of all the things. And yesterday, again, just this is a thing. Um, we might need to delete this whole message for whoever is on tech. But... Canada Day, for the first time ever, in a city with a population with an average of about 35, 36, meaning we mainly have children, our national celebration in our city's public park had to have a fenced-in beer garden where we had all different kinds of faiths and religions bless our celebration. And there were no Christian prayers There was no invitation of the true God. We sat there and we decided to parade our stuff in front of children because we want to have beer in public. We should be upset about. Literally one group, you know, I mean, beautiful dancing and whatever, but specifically brought the image of their God and said, this dance is a blessing. We're going to pray over the city and over this celebration. When was the last time the church got invited to pray and bless the celebration? 
this should upset us a little bit. But we're trying so hard to be inclusive and wildly celebrate the diversions of all the different things that we forget that we at least should be one of the voices and something needs to change. And so if there was a glaringly, obviously missing float in the parade yesterday, I can assure you it's not going to happen again. Um, We will be there. We will take our place. We will raise our voice. There was a letter that came out from ARPA Canada, for anybody who knows it's a Christian Reformed uh, legal organization that works out of Ottawa, and they're fantastic. But they're continuously lobbying in Ottawa just for stuff that is like sanctity of life things and, you know, just really good Christian lawyers um, that are just like defending things like, you know, homeschooling and, you know, life issues, whatever. But their letter, they always send out a national like letter and it, one of the one of the things or portions in the letter, it said, how do you feel about Canada Day and all the festivities that take place to celebrate this country? Should we replace our celebratory events with a posture of lament? Truthfully, at times, it feels like we're seeing Romans 1, 26 and 27 lived out in the very present age. It's God, is God giving our country over to its dishonorable passions as all manner of unrighteousness is celebrated quite literally in the streets across the country? The further Canada collectively walks off of our Christian foundations, the greater the sense of tension we feel when it comes to our nation's birthday and the celebrations that accompany it. So true, right? At ARPA Canada, we recognize this tension and we want to encourage you not to despair, but instead seize the opportunity to shine as a light to Christ. Canadians are suffering and confused and we need to acknowledge this. We live in a time when the suffering of an unplanned pregnancy or a troubling prenatal diagnostic test is responded to by recommending aborting a preborn child. We have friends that um, literally one of the the first ultrasounds that their their daughter received showed some sort of an abnormality. Every subsequent doctor's visit she went to, she was recommended to abort the child who was born fully healthy. The suffering that results from cancer, old age, and disability is responded to with the suggestion to request euthanasia. The suffering of gender dysphoria is responded to by prescribing puberty blockers and cross-hormone therapy. All of these sufferings are real and troubling, but the answers are equally troubling. There is a better way to respond. And as God's people, we have been given much freedom to share the alternative responses to each of these sufferings. As we commemorate Canada's 156th birthday, let us remind ourselves that God is merciful, that he is in control. Everything that's happening in Canada is not a surprise to him, and he is ordained from the beginning of time. Our faithful God will continue to sustain his people, and also this country, and I love this phrase, this country in which he has called us to inhabit and care for. Inhabit and care for. This is accurate. This is typical of what we see in the word. And there's this crossover. Last week, we talked about Acts 17, uh, 26, when Paul was explaining, he was like in the midst of all these different gods. And he didn't go around and he go, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Nope, he went, here's my window. There's this altar to an unknown God. Let me tell you who he is. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in hating on the things that we see are wrong 
that we forget that that's not actually our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's the Holy Spirit's job to come in and, and move some of those sorts of things, but it is our job to shine the light. It's our jo job to celebrate the truth and to shine the truth. Acts 17, 26 says, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. He has made from every one blood, uh, so from one blood, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. That's Acts 17, 26. Basically, we could paraphrase this and we could say, he has made you and put you here and now for his purposes. He has made you and he has put you here and now for his purposes. We can look for the you know, exit plan. We can beg God to just take us out of it. We can say, God, why haven't you done something? Or we can go, you know, according to the word, he put me here and now for his purposes. That should stir something up in us. That should cause us to be awakened on the inside that when we see the stuff that's going on around us, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? What is my role in this? And this, this basically speaks to purpose. When I can understand that I'm not just like, man, it sucks to be here and now. It's like, no, I get to be here and now. And I am believing before I die or Jesus comes home, we will see this nation be who she's supposed to be. I am desperate to see it. I've had for years, I, I've, I've wanted to be in Ottawa on Canada Day and just see the celebrations from there. Some, I, I will not do that until it feels like a celebration. I'm not going to fly all the way out there to cry, but... I can cry from here, but I will go there one day to celebrate on Canada Day in the nation's capital. There's a purpose that is beginning to take deep root, I, I feel like, in the, the hearts and minds of God's people, and sometimes it takes getting to a really bad spot. Why was it that Gideon was actually grinding out the grain? They were starving. He, the, he, there was a point that somebody had to do something just to survive. Why was it that Esther went before the king? Because the entire nation was going to be killed. Why was it that, that, that um, Hannah was weeping before the Lord? Because she couldn't stand her empty arms any longer. There has to come a point where there's something on the inside of us that goes, God, there's got to be something more. And I, I am desperate for your purposes in my life. I believe you have called me for a purpose, on purpose. You've made me, you put me here. And now for your purposes, God, what is it? What can I do? How can I serve you? How can I serve the purposes of God? How can I live my life in a way that matters? What is going to get me out of bed in the morning? And let me tell you, if you were living off the news the last couple of weeks, nothing gets you out of bed in the morning. We just want to crawl up and die. It's so awful. When you see naked men paraded across, literally paraded across news things and the police can't do anything about it because we've created some sort of a weird shield, that's not even about belief systems or anything. That is about what was considered obscene a year ago is now considered celebratory. Something is wrong. 
Why am I here now? I'm telling you what, if I had come here from another country and I had found out that I lived now suddenly in a place that is one of the, the most liberally diverse and sickening on the planet, if I found out that I live in a place that, that celebrates death from before life to end of life and everything in between, if I found out that I have moved to a country that celebrates, you know, here's drugs, let's legalize all of that, let's open up all the doors, I would seriously consider, like, why, God, would you send me here? But he put you here and now for his purposes. So for those who are wondering, how did we get here? We're supposed to be going through the book of Acts. Acts 13, 16. <laughs> Acts 13, 16 says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God for his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God or after he had served the purposes of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. There are the purposes of God in every generation. David didn't just serve David. David didn't just live his calling. He served the purposes of God for his generation. What you've been called to why you are here right now wasn't maybe needed 60 years ago. What you carry in you wasn't maybe needed 60 years ago. But God has put in you something that is necessary to serve the purposes of God in this generation. There's something he has called you to, and it's this thing that is, is lining up with what Paul said in Acts 17. God has designed your time and the boundaries of your dwelling. You are here now for him. Now, here's an interesting twist. What we see, I, I saw this um, quote the other day by Joe uh, Terrell. He's a Christian analyst dude. Um, basically, he said, most Christians throughout history have lived quiet and ordinary lives, and they weren't any less beloved by God. And his general idea is that um, we don't always have to have purpose. Why can't Christians just live peaceful lives? David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, if we don't have purpose, the, the medical community, the science community, everybody who studies humanity tells us that the lack of purpose messes with our mind, it messes with our choices, it makes room for anxiety and depression. If we lack purpose, we lack the ability or the want to function we actually begin to degrade on the inside because we don't see any reason to get up and to move. We don't make good choices. We don't spend our money in the right places. We don't spend our time in the right places. And we can't keep our heads screwed on straight because we lack purpose. 
God himself has designed you for a purpose. And yeah, it sounds appealing to go into a place where we can just, you know, just live peaceful and good lives. Absolutely. The reality is not everybody in the Bible was an Esther or a Gideon or a Moses or a Joshua. The, the vast majority lived lives that didn't make it into the book. That doesn't mean they didn't live on purpose. It doesn't mean there wasn't value to their life. It doesn't mean they weren't pouring out in some way. Everything that we do, if, you're, if your purpose is your immediate family, so be it. But do it on purpose. Raise your kids on purpose. Live your marriage on purpose. Serve in your workplace on purpose. Love your neighbors on purpose. We don't decide to just live in this little life of comfort and just make our way through to the other side. Serve the purposes of God in your generation. This is what we're called to. This is what God's asked for us. This is not a new thought. From the very beginning of the book, Genesis God didn't say, here's the garden, have fun, nap well. <laughs> Fill the earth and subdue it. He put the man in the garden to tend it. There was purpose from the very beginning of the book. Sin enters the earth, people get screwed up, everything starts to fall apart. Jesus comes, he makes a way, he, he crosses and creates this bridge where we can have fellowship with the living God again. And the first thing that we read in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit's going to come and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, fill the earth and subdue it. The first Adam got the instructions. The second Adam gave the same instructions. We are here on purpose. And for anyone who has had the lie going on in their minds that it wouldn't matter if I'm here or not. Nobody knows me. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. You have been lied to. You have purpose. You are here and now for a purpose. There's a famous message um, by William Carey. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the, the writings of William Carey. He's basically the father of the missions movement that we understand and know today. He preached um, a message in May on May 30th, 1792. And the message was entitled, Expect Great Things from God, Attempt Great Things for God. We've heard this a lot, actually. It's kind of built into um, how we flow you know, victories reach, teach, mobilize. So we, we hear these sorts of things a lot. Um, he was one of the first to even contemplate what if we could bring the gospel to other lands? What if we could share the love of Jesus with places that don't know him yet? Maybe there's, there's the ends of the earth that needs to be reached. Maybe we could go there. And the story's told of this one particular time. He was, uh, he was um, at this gathering of pastors and leaders, and it says he became a missionary when there was conventional indifference towards missions in the West. There was no missionary societies or missionary interest in the Western church during his time. At a pastor's meeting, when Kerry challenged his fellow pastors to launch missions to the world, an older friend, Dr. Ryland, shouted, young man, sit down. You are an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathens, he'll do it without consulting you or me. Great. What does that mean? It means there can be a fire on the inside of you that is all God, even if culture totally shuts you down. 
I believe it is possible that there is, a, there is a move that is stirring on the inside of God's people in this hour that when we start to, you know, we feel it out and we, we have little sample things and people are like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, honestly, I just believe God wants us to live peacefully, you know, walk humbly with our God. The beginning of that verse says to, to do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. In other words, there's a purpose and also walk humbly with your God. People love to sit in that idea of just like, Jesus loves me just where I am. Yes, he does. And because he does, he's given you a purpose because purposelessness will kill you. He's called us into this place. So I want to finish with just one. Nope, we're going to pick this up next week. Yeah. I'm going to have the worship team come, but let's just flip to Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Either that or I can preach until pursuit tonight. This is, we could vote. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little passionate about this. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. After we talk about the love of God. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, let's just go there. Who... If you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here today. Um, <laughs> we hope you feel welcome. I won't say it's not always as exuberant. It is. It's pretty much we don't sit still around here, but we're so glad you're here, and perhaps God is sending you to be part of it. But starting at verse 14, Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Let's just sit there for a minute. This is the prayer that we would be so full of the love of God, so full of Him, there would be nothing lacking, nothing missing. We wouldn't be constantly looking for how can I get validated. But we walk around knowing I am loved by God. He gave everything for me. And this is not something I can keep to myself. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What did it look like when Jesus walked the earth? He did not just wait until year 33 to go to the cross. He went about ministering the love of God. Signs, wonders, miracles, wisdom, direction, instruction. What did it look like in the book of Acts when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They went about doing good. They blessed, they served, they gave, they prayed, they ministered, they sacrificed. 
They were filled with the fullness of God and they could not contain it. They could not contain it. Changing the world around us is not about having big, flashy church meetings. As fun as they are. Carrying the love of Jesus to the world around us is that each one of us are rooted and grounded in love that we comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God and because you're so full to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us the power that works in us. This is, this is how God operates. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.